Welcome to the Kathy Bixel Podcast. Hi, I'm Kathy Bixel, and I am coming to you today from New Jersey, where I am sheltering in, hunkering down, bunkering down as I am submitting to the authorities in my state not to be out and about today. But I am sure, like most of you across the United States that may be tuning in today, you are in a similar situation. And so uh, my prayer today is that what we talk about on this podcast will be an inspiration. Uh, It will challenge you and really help you overcome in the season in which we we find ourselves living in. And also a quick reminder is that the times that we are living in should not come as a surprise. If you are a Christian and you are a person who reads your Bible, none of this should surprise you. I know somebody said, well, you know, why is, why is there a plague? Well, you know, all we have to do is read Matthew 24 and we find out that Jesus told us that there would be plagues, there would be pestilences, but he told us that there would be trials and there would be tribulations in the world, but to be of good cheer because he is overcome. And so one of the things that I really felt important to talk to you about today on the podcast is Uh, Something the Lord uh, put upon my heart about two mornings ago, you know, as a rule of life, uh, when I awaken in the mornings, um, I have this prayer that I that I don't always pray, but I pray often enough uh, based out of Isaiah chapter 50. And I believe it was, you know, it is even referring to how the son of God lived when he was here on the earth and that he said, you know, that we would that the Lord would give us the tongue of the learned, you know, that morning by morning, he wakens me to hear and gives me the tongue of the learned so that I might speak a word in season to him that is weary. And the other morning I awakened with this, um, this beckoning of the Lord to look at him. And I, I woke up and I heard, look to me, look to me, but not in the sense of looking to him for help as much as looking at him, to look at him. I see your failings. I see where you fail, where you miss it, where you fall, but I want you to look at me. And it just sent me down this um, down this uh, avenue of study that just brought to the light some things that I think are so important for this season, especially because we right now have such a focus on praying through the situation we find us in, we find ourselves in as a nation. And so, uh, you know, truly in times of chaos and insecurity, you know, it is knowing that we can come into the presence of an eternal God is really a anchor of hope for us in any challenging time, not to mention the onslaught of a pandemic. But, you know, and, and but the most important thing is to know that as we pray, we need to be praying effectively. You know, we don't, I think the greatest danger is for us to pray just religiously, right? And so oftentimes we, we, we approach God out of a mindset that really is just based on, okay, if I, we're not really paying much attention to how we're talking to him and and how we're asking him for things. 
Instead, we're just doing it. But I don't want to be that type of prayer. I come to prayer, you know, there's all different types of prayer, we know that, and there's no way within a 30-minute podcast here we could totally unpack all the different types of prayer. But in this particular season that we are in, there is a cry from God's people for mercy to stay the plague, for mercy to stop the spread of this pandemic so that people can be saved, people can be healed, and the people of the earth can have deliverance and not have to be afflicted. You know, I go back to, um, as as the Lord in Exodus, it says that he, he heard the cries of the children of Israel. He heard their groanings and he sent Moses to deliver them. And he said, I am coming down to deliver you. And so our prayers are based on this revelation that we have a God who is powerful, who cares about us, who doesn't want us to to be submitted to and subjected to the oppression of the darkness. Jesus said, for this purpose was the Son of Man manifested to destroy the works of the darkness. Um, you know, I, I think that it's probably the most important thing right now is as we approach the throne of grace to obtain mercy in our time of need, that we are not overcome with a, a sense of our own unworthiness, our own sin, our own, um, and, and I know the minute that came out of my mouth, I, I know that I'm going to have to clarify some things that I say on this podcast because I am not advocating a belief that God does not care about the sin of our nation, or he doesn't he doesn't care about what we're doing with abortion and uh, same-sex marriage and all these other things that we have biblical grounds to be concerned about, uh, just as much as gossiping, backbiting, slandering our brothers and sisters, all of the sins we know that plague humanity, but also are found in God's people that are not walking in holiness and not walking in a place of victory over um, repetitive sinning. So that is not what my heart is. My heart is if we truly, if we want to make our prayer time valuable and effective, we need to have the correct paradigm, the right paradigm on how we relate to God in this season and how God is relating to us. Likewise, it's also important for us to really be sending a clear message. People, as leaders, we need to send a clear message. People are looking to leadership in the body of Christ for answers, for encouragement, for strength, for vision. I myself find myself in this season deferring to the generals. You know, going back to, um, or listen, not even going back, but listening to men, seasoned men and women of God in the faith, people who know how to win in the spirit, um, for to hear what they say that God is saying. Because we can't, you know, they're... There, everybody feels like we need to jump on, you know, social media and give our version of what events are. And that is not necessarily what's going to happen here today. I am in a season or a period or my response is really of prayer, waiting, 
spending a lot of extra time in the presence of God. Um, this isn't a time, I know for me personally, to binge watch Netflix every night. That is not in this, In you know, I don't think there's ever a season of doing that a lot. But anyway, specifically in this period of time, in this time when I am hunkered down in my home and can't live my life as I normally do or minister the way that I normally would to people and come in contact with people. So I have to make adjustments in in that way. And so I'm just not looking to make sure everybody hears my opinion. I want to hear from the heart of God. And so the first approach and response from me is for prayer and to come to God based on what I know of him and what he has promised me through his word. But one of the things that we need to be careful of is that, you know, some of us are sending mixed messages. You know, we there's major leaders that are saying that this plague is a judgment of God, that it is God punishing America, that this is his judgment for all the things that are our national sins. Um, and that once again, we have to gather and, and repent because that's what, you know, what we've done all the other times. Although I do have to say that being part of the global um, and the national prayer movement for 30 to 35 years, been on prayer journeys, uh, been to, I don't know how many of Lou Engel's calls, there are a lot of people in this region and in this in this territory and in this country that have been gathering in places to repent and to pray for our nation all along. And I believe that God has heard those that have already been prayed um, along those lines. But this is my point. So we're being told that God is sending this to judge us. And then the next email or the next social media blast or the next video is giving me all the declarations of how I should re be rebuking the plague, taking authority over the plague, telling the plague it can't multiply. Well, if that is the case, just by logic, and put yourself in the shoes of a new believer that maybe is just coming to Christ or like, help me, I want Jesus, I don't want to get the virus, I want to be with those crazy Christians. And, you know, under the shelter of the Most High, and they come in and hear us talk and say, God is sending something. And then the next thing we're told is now to rebuke what God is sending. Isn't that rebuking God? So without going into all of that, because that's not the purpose, again, I say for today, but we need to think about what we're saying. And so if we are from my, from where I am perched in my office here today, my heart cry in my, my, my prayer, my seasons of prayer is for my nation, for the deliverance um, of the people that are being afflicted, for the stopping of the, for the strength, for those on the front lines in the medical community. Dear God, our governmental leaders, to think that day after day after day, these people are hardly getting any rest. Watching that Fauci dude every day on there, I'm like, Lord, just breathe fresh life into him. They stand there while the president gives his, uh, you know, his briefings and they're working nonstop. And I, I, I think that, you know, we need to be careful not to criticize and just pray and trust. But our prayers, what are our prayers based on? We're praying for a world that basically their sin is so bad that they don't really deserve what 
they may, what we know needs to happen. But that's the whole point of mercy. You know, I, I, is that in this season, we as Christians, born again, children of God, new creations, we have an extended invitation to come into the throne of grace to obtain mercy in this time of need. One of my favorite scriptures is Psalm 116, where David said in verses, uh, penned in verses one and two, I love the Lord for he heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy because he turned his ear to me. I will call on him as long as I live. Now, in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, the way that people in the Old Covenant related to God without being made new creatures in Christ and having a disempowered sin nature, they were constantly conscience, conscious of their personal and their national sins, okay? They always had to make sacrifices. They always had to do something to appease God because they had broken the law. So when they cried out for that, when and God had told them, if, you're, if you are sinning and you are in idolatry, these sins are going to come on your land. But if you call unto me and you repent, I will heal your land. Over and over again, the, the priests would have to go into the Holy of Holies. They would have to go and make sacrifices because the people, as hard as they tried, remember they said in Exodus, all that the Lord hath said will we do and be obedient. They were all excited when Moses came down with that law. All that the Lord hath said will we do and be obedient. Well, newsflash, they were obedient for about two minutes. And the next thing you know, they were, you know, they were building calves and intermarrying with the nations and uh, worshiping other idols and building other altars. And they were doing all that. And so most of the prophet's messages were geared at getting the people out of sin. That was the old, that was the old way of relating to God. And what I want to propose to you today is that if we want, it's not about just praying. We can, I can pray all day, but if I do not pray, I can, if I do not pray effectively, I have wasted my time. And I have probably grieved the spirit of God and the heart of God who is longing for me to come, not bent over and mourning over and over and over. Yes, for do I come into the presence of God and do I carry in my heart the separation of people from God? Absolutely. Do I travail in prayer? Absolutely. But there is this place. I want you to hear my heart. And this is what Holy Spirit said to me. Are you looking at Jesus when you come to the throne? Are you looking at the sacrifice and the shed blood he made for the sins of man? Are you look, my intercession, my prayer cannot be based on waiting. Now, I want you to hear me. My prayer cannot be based on waiting for every American who is thinking about who is sinning today or who who is going to who is going to abort a baby or who is engaging in fornication or who is gossiping and slandering or committing adultery 
or dishonoring God by not keeping a Sabbath, okay? Whatever that is, I cannot go to God carrying that in my consciousness that that is going to keep him from answering my prayer. Unless those people repent of that, God will never answer their prayer. What I'm saying to you is as a daughter of God, as a son of God in the earth, you have access and privilege and power that they don't have. And because of that access at this time, you can save them. You can release the mercy of God into the planet. You can release the mercy of God into your neighborhood. But you release the mercy of God when you look upon Jesus Christ as the sacrifice for where they have missed it, where they have fallen short, and frankly, where you have missed it and you have fallen short. You know, Jesus uh, just, I heard his word. He, you know, literally when I woke up, I began to hear him talk to me. Often this happens. I awaken and I hear him preaching. And he said, Kathy, show me in the new, in, in the gospels where I taught people how to pray, where I said anything, I focused, I focused on the person's sin. Think about the woman who came to the unjust judge. Think about Luke 11. Think about Luke 18. The the one who came for the bread for her friends. She came for bread for her friends. Not one time did Jesus talk to them about making sure all of them repented before they got the bread. It was because of her faith. Her faith. Jesus was giving us a foretaste of what New Testament new creation prayer would be like. Oh, this is so, so powerful if we get it. Because what I'm saying is that our tendency to pray out of an old covenant mindset is one of the greatest deterrents to victorious praying. The sin consciousness of the old covenant prayer, prayer, it will tremendously color and warp actually our approach to God and we have to make the necessary adjustment in this epic period of grace to look on Jesus in our prayers. I could feel the anointing in my office. We need to engage in prayers based on Jesus' amazing victory over sin and the devil to secure our needed answers. We are not subject to the evil that is racing in the earth. And when I say subject to it, what I I really mean to say is that we have authority over it because we have been anointed with power over the darkness. We have ability through the word of God, through the presence of God, through the power of God inside us by his spirit of overcoming the plague that is stalking us the pestilence that is stalking us at noonday. And when we pray these prayers of faith based on the blood of Jesus Christ being shed for us in the heavenly sanctuary, that eternal blood that is speaking mercy instead of judgment now in the space of grace, when we come based on that, acknowledging that, we become, we can, we can begin to, um, 
to change the trajectory of evil in the world. We can't pray double-minded. We can't take authority over something that we believe God is sending to us. Let me give you a, a, an example, a scriptural example of what I mean. In John chapter 3, this is a, a, a great, a great um, I'm praying that will be a great way for you to grasp what I'm saying. Jesus, Nicodemus comes to Jesus and he sees the miracles that Jesus has done. He's heard everything and he wants to know about Jesus. So Jesus right away begins to talk to him about the new birth. You can read this on your own in John chapter 3. Since you're in lockdown, you have more time. You can read that whole chapter. And um, well, actually, I'm going to go there so that I don't. Here we are. Oh, it opened right to it. That's a good sign. John chapter 3. And Nicodemus, of course, is asking. He's saying, Rabbi, I know you're a teacher who comes from God. You know, I know you're a teacher who comes from God. You're performing these uh, miraculous signs. And Jesus says to him, I tell you the truth, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And so what we see happening is that Nicodemus, uh, Jesus starts to tell Nicodemus about the phenomenon of the new birth. And he starts to talk to him about how the Holy Spirit comes as the wind. He uses the metaphor of the natural, natural birth coming through the womb as the same way the Holy Spirit births you into the kingdom. Um, you, are, you are born again into the kingdom of God and you can now see the kingdom of God because you're born into it and alive in the kingdom of God and how the Holy Spirit is the one who does this. But Nicodemus is getting a little caught up on it. He's not getting the picture and he says, how can this be? And so by the time we hit, um, you know, Jesus is speaking to him of, quote, heavenly things. And so in verse 12, uh, and verse 12 and 13 end up being pivotal scriptures where Jesus realizes that Nicodemus isn't getting the picture because Nicodemus at this point needs to get an understanding of the idea that sin and God's wrath have to be taken away first for the Holy Spirit to come to to cause him to become a new creation. In other words, Jesus decides, Jesus decides, okay, that he's not getting it. I'm going to start at square one and I'm going to tell him who I really am. And what Jesus is going to go on to tell him is who he really is. He is the one who is cursed with sin. He is the one who will be cursed with sin. And uh, he says here, this is so powerful. I've spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, Jesus is referring to himself as the snake. Listen to this. As the snake that he's going to bear sin like a snake, just like that snake was lifted up in the wilderness. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. Now, this is powerful. So go back to the Old Covenant in Numbers chapter 21. Under the Old Covenant, there was an immediate, most of the time, it was a judgment covenant. 
it was it, okay it was a judgment covenant the way to get mercy was to re, was to repent the way to get mercy was to completely eliminate sin you'd get the mercy and then because there was no power in the law to change the sin nature they would sin again and boom there we are again with a couple more bulls you know slain and all that so it says in numbers 21 uh, in Numbers chapter 21, that they they are out. Now, this might sound familiar right now or too close to home. They are in the wilderness and they start to complain because they're running out of food and water. And I hasten to say possibly toilet paper. Okay. They have run out of everything. And so when you run out of everything, you got to blame somebody. So they decide that they're going to blame Moses, right? So God responds by sending these serpents into the camp and the people begin to die. And then the Lord gives this Moses, okay, uh, gets this instruction from the Lord to put a snake. And the snake is symbolic of the sin that bites us. And the poison of sin comes into our soul. And God says to Moses, lift up, because we're seeing right now a type and shadow of Jesus on the cross. And we know that's what it is because Jesus is telling Nicodemus, this is what I am going to do for mankind. This is what it's going to be look, look like. It's going to look like the snake on the pole. I'm going to be the snake of sin. I will become sin on the pole. And Jesus says, uh, now Jesus, Moses lifted up the pole at the Lord's instruction. He lifted the snake up, put it on a pole. And every time they looked at that serpent raised up on that pole and they looked at it, they were made whole and they were healed. And then Jesus goes on to say the scripture we all know and have it engraved on everything for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And my brother and sister, that is your job now in this time. Your job is to go and save the world in his name. He's, you understand what I mean by save the world. He's the savior, but we are his ambassadors. We go in his name. For whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men loved darkness instead of light, like most of our world today in 2020, because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does Evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it might be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. So here we see Jesus was talking about how he was going to become sin. He who beca he became sin, 
so that we can become the righteousness of God. And what that means now is that you and I can come in, when we come into the, into the throne room of God, when we come into the presence of God, the Bible says that we are seated. He raised us up just as he was resurrected from the grave. We are raised up with him and we sit in heavenly places. So when the father hears me pray, he looks to me and he sees Jesus in me. And so it's, it's the spiritual condition of Jesus as I live a life. My life is living out of the spirit. See, because if I'm sowing to the spirit, I'm not sowing to the flesh and I'm not harvesting sin in my life. It's Jesus that has made me worthy to come into his presence. And so every time I come, I have to look at him because I will never be perfect enough. I will never be good enough. I will never even, you know, pray perfectly enough or be the perfect Christian. But it's his perfection. And so as I pray for mercy for my nation, <clears throat> oh gosh, I'm looking at my time here and I'm already at 20, 28 minutes. But as I pray for my nation, there comes this time where we just, we have to be on high alert people. We need to know who we are. We need to be armed with the armor of light and our, our you know, we need to have the armor of God on in this hour and our helmet with the helmet, our heads have to, we have to have the helmet of salvation. We have to have our loins girded about with truth. We must know the truth because if we don't know the truth, this is what happens. The enemy comes in and your prayer is not filled with faith because it's so wrapped in sin consciousness that there's that still small voice in your head going, oh, well, you know, you just got to pray a little longer because then God will hear it. Or, oh, those, th those, you know, murders in New York City, they're pretty bad. Oh, all that, you know, all that stuff that they're doing in Washington has been so bad. You know, you're crying out for mercy, but there's no amount of mercy that can help this. And, oh, this, you know, this is, this is too big for God. But I want to say to you that that is not the prayer of faith. We can only, what pleases God is faith. I want the father, when he sees me get up in the morning and I close my, my office door and I turn off my phones and my everything else and I say, Father, I am coming in because I am standing for my neighborhood. I am standing for all 700 homes that because I am here and I am inviting the angels and I am coming and I am decreeing your blood and your mercy. You said that you wish that all men, your will is for all men to come to the knowledge of the truth and be saved, that I can change the atmosphere in my, in my own community instead of wallowing for two hours and wailing that how sinful we are. And I know that that is shocking. And that, listen, as someone who prays for my nation, and this has been my lifelong calling is to pray for my country, to pray for people. That is, that is my heart. That is my, my primary moving in ministry is in prayer. And in the, the Old Testament priest had to carry on their chest all the gems 
representative of every tribe. Yes, there are times where Holy Spirit just comes into my room or where I am. He could interrupt me cooking something for dinner or interrupt me folding laundry or reading a book at, 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 in my prayer chair or something. And he just comes and I feel the heart of the Father through humanity. But it is a heart of deliverance. It is a heart through travailing prayer or the proclamation of his promises of mercy to begin to set up, set up the standard of deliverance. And this is how we have to look at our world. Jesus took away the sin of the world for this space of grace for us to come. And I am not, I have to qualify myself because I know I'll get an email or something. I am not saying we live, God just, you know, hears us and, you know, we can live however we want. I am not espousing that. But what I'm trying to do is dismantle a paradigm of approaching God based on, am I fasting enough? Am I giving up enough things? Am I punishing myself enough so that you will look at me and because of me and what I'm doing and how how remorseful I am, that you will now hear my prayer and give me and my neighborhood mercy. No, what I am saying is the revealed truth of the word of God is that Jesus, I look to him. You need to look to him like those Israelites. If there are family members bitten by this plague, you look to him and say, we may have missed it. You know, we may not have been giving as much as we have to. I can tell you right now, this nation has not been resting in as much as it should be. We have served mammon. We have been idolatrous. We have served mammon and not Shabbated and not rested. Ministers have not rested. We have made our ministries, idols, so that we can create enough income and enough money flow and work 24-7 to get that last dollar in. I have seen it over and over, and God sees it. But you know what? When we come and we say, Lord, we do recognize we are sorry. We This is, un, it is unquestionably, people of God, a time of introspection. For me, it's been a uh, ways where I'm awakened to the reality that, you know, sometimes our theology is we believe, we, our theology is things that we wish were true, we wish we believe, but what we really believe, that what if this re Jesus really is coming back, that these really are the last days, and that this this plague will be just the first of many things that the church will have to overcome in the days ahead. Will I be strong enough? Am I raising up people that will be strong in as an end time army? Well, I am I doing my part to impart to the next generation what real faith looks like, what really what real holy living looks like, what real powerful Christianity looks like, or am I submitting to the to the spirit of the age? It just espouses happy, clappy, motivational points. We are done with that. With all of that said, do I come to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm sorry, but you know what? I don't beg him. I don't say it over and over and keep talking about how bad I am, or maybe I watched one too many episodes of whatever it is I like to watch, a Turkish TV show, whatever it is that, I, that I'm watching. 
but we need to come. This is our hope, people. This is our hope. The the serpent, just as the serpent in the wilderness stopped the poison of sin, I'm believing that as we look in prayer and that mercy is released into our streets, as we look in prayer and we gaze upon Jesus, this is what makes me weep when I open my Bible and I open a, a letter that Paul wrote to the Galatians or the Colossians or the Ephesians based on the revelatory experiences he had in the heavenly places. And he espouses the power of the new creation. He says to them, there is nothing else that matters but the new creation. This is what he says. And so I'm not focusing on the sin. I'm not carrying the sin. I'm looking to the one who did. And it makes me love him even more. It, it, it bursts out in my heart greater love, greater devotion to live for him who gave his life not only for me and my family and my, my children and even those lost loved ones that you know that are far away from God or those prodigal children that as a praying mother or father or sister or brother, that when you come based on the blood, when you come based on that sacrifice, all you have to do is look and ask, and he is ready to meet us with bushelfuls of mercy and outpouring and miracles and answers to prayer. I'm not praying to show someone my devotion. I'm not praying to do a Facebook Live and impress everybody that I prayed for five hours and I did, you know, or did whatever. That's not what our hearts should be. Our hearts should be to go into that place and pray in the spirit if need be. As long as it takes till we have that victory, our prayer is meant to bring an answer. Jesus told us it would. If we abide in him and his words abide in us, we will ask and our joy will be full. Well, this is the word abiding in you that he has taken away the sin of the world and that we are in an age of grace to save people from the wrath that is to come. I am not a child of wrath. You are not a child of wrath. America is not a nation of wrath. When we hold up our holy hands in prayer, we receive mercy. Amen. Oh, I am preached out when I should be podcasting out and talking in a nice <laughs> podcast voice. But we love you here at Kathy Bixel Ministries. Please be sure to stay in touch with us. Email, uh, email us at podcast at kathybixel.com if there's anything that you want to um, say to us, ask us to talk about, minister on. Stay connected with me on Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, um, so that basically so that you can hear what we're doing and what we'll be speaking in this hour. We love you here. And I just, I pray for freedom. I lift off in the name of Jesus, lift off of you every spirit of shame and condemnation. And I come up with you into the assembly of the firstborn, the, the Mount Zion with the innumerable angels going to work in our earth now, staying the plague on behalf of a praying church. We love God bless, and don't forget to tune in next week. Thank you for listening to the Kathy Bixel Podcast. For more information about Kathy, her upcoming itinerary, media resources, and more, visit kathybixel.com. Again, we want to thank you for taking the time to listen. 
the Kathy Bixel Podcast is produced by Newgate Media Copyright 2020.